A Passage to India, Chapter 33 Some hundreds of miles westward of the Marabar Hills, and two years later in time, Professor Narayan Godbully stands in the presence of God. God is not born yet. That will occur at midnight. But he has also been born centuries ago. Nor can he ever be born, because he is the Lord of the universe, who transcends human processes. He is, was not, is not, was. He and Professor Godbole stood at opposite ends of the same strip of carpet. Tukaram, Tukaram, thou art my father and mother and everybody. Tukaram, Tukaram, thou art my father and mother and everybody. Tukaram, Tukaram, thou art my father and mother and everybody. Tukaram, Tukaram, thou art my father and mother and everybody. Tukaram. This corridor in the palace at Mao opened through the corridors into the courtyard. It was a beautiful hard white Stuco, but its pillars and vaulting could scarcely be seen behind colored rags, iridescent balls, chandeliers of opaque pink glass, and murky photographs framed crookedly. At the end was the small but famous shrines of the dynastic cult, and the god to be born was largely a silver image the size of a teaspoon. Hindus sat on either side of the carpet where they could find room or overflowed into the adjoining corridors and the courtyard. Hindus, Hindus only, mild-featured men, mostly villagers, for whom anything outside their villages passed in a dream. They were the toiling riot, whom some call the real India. Mixed with them sat a few tradesmen out of the little town, officials, courtiers, citizens of the ruling class. Schoolboys kept in efficient order. The assembly was in a tender, happy state unknown to an English crowd. It seethed like a beneficent potion. When the villagers broke cordon for a glimpse of the silver image, a most beautiful and radiant expression came into their faces, a beauty in which there was nothing personal, for it caused them all to resemble one another during the moment of its indwelling, and only when it was withdrawn did they revert to indivisible clots. And so with the music. Music there was, but from so many sources that the sum total was untrammeled. The brain banging, crooning melted into a single mass which trailed round the palace before joining the thunder. Rain fell at intervals throughout the night. It was the turn of Professor Godbole's choir. As Minister of Education, he gained his special honor. When the previous group of singers dispersed into the crowd, he pressed forward from the back, already in full voice, that the chain of sacred sounds might be uninterrupted. 
he was barefoot and in white he wore a pale blue turban his gold pince nez had caught in a jasmine garland and lay sideways down his nose he and his six colleagues who supported him clashed their cymbals hit small drums droned upon a portable harmonium and sang tukaram tukaram thou art my father and mother and everybody tukaram tukaram thou art my father and mother and everybody tukaram tukaram they sang not even to the god who confronted them but to a saint they did not one thing which the non-hindu would feel dramatically correct this approaching triumph of india was a muddle a frustration of reason and form where was the god himself in whose honor the congregation had gathered indistinguishable in the jumble of his own altar huddled out of sight and images of inferior descent smothered under rose leaves overhung by oleographs outblazed by golden tablets representing the rajas ancestors and entirely obscured when the wind blew by the tattered foliage of a banana hundreds of electric lights had been lit in his honor yet his face could not be seen hundreds of his silver dishes were piled around him with the minimum of effect the inscriptions which the poets of the state had composed were hung where they could not be read or had twitched their drawing pens out of the stucco and one of them consisted by an unfortunate slip of the draughtsman of the words god see love god see love is this the final message of india tukaram tukaram continued the choir reinforced by a squabble behind the parda curtain where two mothers tried to push their children at the same moment to the front a little girl's leg shot out like an eel in the courtyard drenched by the rain the small europeanized bat stumbled off into a waltz nights of gladness they were playing the singers were not perturbed by this rival they lived beyond competition it was long before the tiny fragments of professor godbole that attended to outside things decided that his pins nest was in trouble and that until it was adjusted he could not choose a new hymn he laid down one symbol with the other he clashed the air with his free hand he fumbled at the flowers round his neck a colleague assisted him singing into one another's grey moustaches they distangled the chain from the tinsel into which it had sunk godbole consulted the music book said a word to the drummer who broke rhythm made a thick little blur of sound and produced a new rhythm this was more exciting the inner images it evoked more definite and the singers expressions became fatuous and languid they loved all men the whole universe and scraps of their past tiny splinters of detail immersed for a moment to melt into the universal warmth thus godbole though she was 
not important to him remembered an old woman he had met in chandrapur days chance brought her into his mind while it was in this heated state he did not select her she happened to occur among the throng of soliciting images a tiny splinter and he impelled her by this spiritual force to that place where completeness can be found completeness not reconstruction his sense grew thinner he remembered a wasp seen he forgot where perhaps on a stone he loved the wasp equally he impelled it likewise he was imitating god and the stone where the wasp clung could he no he could not he had been wrong to attempt the stone logic and conscious effort had seduced he came back to the strip of red carpet and discovered that he was dancing upon it up and down a third of the way to the altar and back again clashing his cymbals his little legs twinkling his companions dancing with him and each other noise noise the europeanized band louder incense on the altar sweat the blaze of nights winds in the bananas noise thunder 11:50 by his wrist watch seen as he threw off his hands and detached the tiny reverberation that was his soul louder shouts in the crowd he danced on the boys and men who were squatting in the alley were lifted forcibly and dropped without changing their shapes into the laps of their neighbors down the path thus cleared advanced a litter it was the aged ruler of the state brought against the advice of his physicians to witness the birth ceremony no one greeted the raja nor did he wish it this was no moment for human glory nor could the litter be set down lest it defiled the temple by becoming a throne he was lifted out of it while its feet remained in air and deposited on the carpet close to the altar his immense beard was straightened his legs tucked under him a paper containing red powder was placed in his hand there he sat leaning against a pillar exhausted with illness his eyes magnified by many unshed tears he had not to wait long in a land where all else was unpunctual the hour of the british was chronometrically observed 3 minutes before it was due a brahman brought forth a model of the village of kokul and placed it in front of the altar the model was on a wooden tree about a yard square it was of clay and was gaily blue and white with streamers and paint here upon a chair too small for him and with a head too large sat king kansa who is hero directing the murder of some in a and in corner similarly proportioned stood the father and mother of the lord warned to depart in a dream the model was not holy but more than a decoration for it diverted men from the actual image of the god 
and increased their sacred bewilderment. Some of the villagers thought the birth had occurred, saying with truth that the Lord must have been born, or they could not see him. But the clock struck midnight, and simultaneously the rending note of the conch broke forth, followed by the trumpeting of elephants. All who had packets of powder threw them at the altar, and in the rosy dust and incense, and clanging and shouts, infinite love took upon itself the form of Sri Krishna, and saved the world. All sorrow was annihilated, not only for Indians but for foreigners, birds, caves, railways, and the stars. All became joy. All laughter. There had never been disease nor doubt, misunderstanding, cruelty, fear. Some jumped in the air; others flung him themselves prone and embraced the bare feet of the universal lover. The women behind the parda slapped and shrieked. The little girl slipped out and danced by herself, her black pigtails flying. Not an orgy of the body. The tradition of that shrine forbid it, but the human spirit had tried by a desperate contortion to wish the unknown, flinging down science and history in the struggle. Yes, beauty herself. Did it succeed? Books written afterwards says, yes. But how, if there is such an event, can it be remembered afterwards? How can it be expressed in anything but itself? Not only from the unbeliever are mysteries hid, but the adept himself cannot retain them. He may think, he, if he chooses, that he has been with God, but as soon as he thinks it, it becomes history and falls under the rules of time. A cobra of paper now appeared on the carpet, also a wooden cradle. Swinging from a frame, Professor Godbolly approached the latter with a red silk napkin in his arms. The napkin was God, not that it was, and the image remained in the blur of the altar. It was just a napkin folded into a shape which indicated a baby's. The professor dandled it and gave it to the Raja, who, making a great effort, said, "I name this child." Shri Krishna and tumbled it into the cradle. Tears poured from his eyes because he had seen the Lord's salvation. He was too weak to exhibit the silk baby to his people, his privilege in former years. His attendants lifted him up. A new path was cleared through the crowd, and he was carried away to a less sacred part of the palace. There, in a room accessible to Western science by an outer staircase, his physician, Doctor Aziz, awaited him. This Hindu physician, who had accompanied him to the shrine, briefly reported his symptoms. As the ecstasy receded, the invalid grew fretful. The pumping of the steam engine that worked the dynamo disturbed him. and he asked for what reason it had been introduced into his home they replied that they would inquire and administered a sedative down in the sacred corridors joy had ceased to jollity 
it was their duty to play various games to amuse the newly born god and to stimulate his sports with the vantered dairy meats of Brindavan. Butter played a prominent part in this. When the cradle had been removed, the principal nobles of the state gathered together for an innocent frolic. They removed their turbans and one put a lump of butter on his forehead and waited for it to slide down his nose into his mouth. Before it could arrive, another stole up behind him, snatched the melting morsel and swallowed it himself. All laughed exultantly at discovering that the divine sense of humor coincided with their own. God is love. There is fun in heaven. God can play practical jokes upon himself, draw chairs away from beneath his own posteriors, set his own turbans on fire, and steal his own petticoats when he bathes. By sacrificing good taste, this worship achieved what Christianity has shirked, the inclusion of merriment. All spirit as well as all matter must participate in salvation, and if practical jokes are banned, the circle is incomplete. Having swallowed the butter, they played another game which chanced to be graceful, the fondling of Sri Krishna under the similitude of a child. A pretty red and gold ball is thrown, and he who catches it chooses a child from the crowd, raises it in his arms, and carries it round to be cursed. All stroke the darling creature for the Creator's sake, and murmur happy words. The child is restored to his parents, the ball thrown on, and another child becomes for a moment the world's desire. And the Lord bounds hither and thither through the alley, chance and the sport of chance, irradiating little mortals with his immortality. When they had played this long enough, and being exempt from boredom, they played it again and again, they played it again and again. They took many sticks and hit them together, wax smack, as though they fought the Pandava wars, and threshed and churned with them. And later on they hung from the roof of the temple in a net, a great black earthenware jar, which was painted here and there with red and wreathed with dried figs. Now came a rousing sport. Springing up, they stuck at the jar with their sticks. It cracked, broke, and a mass of greasy rice and milk poured onto their faces. They ate and smeared one another's mouth and dived between each other's legs for what had been patched upon the carpet. This way and that spread the divine mess until the line of schoolboys who had somewhat fended off the crowd broke for their share. The corridors, the courtyard, were filled with benign confusion. Also the flies awoke and claimed their share of God's bounty. There was no quarreling, owing to the nature of the gift, for blessed is the man who confers it on another. He imitates God, and those imitations, those Substitutions continued to flicker through the assembly for many hours, awaking in each man according to his capacity. 
an emotion that he would not have had otherwise no definite image survived at the birth it was questionable whether a silver doll or a mud village or a silk napkin or an intangible spirit or a pious resolution had been born perhaps all these things perhaps none perhaps all birth is an allegory still it was the main event of the religious year it caused strange thoughts covered with grease and dust professor godbelly had once more developed the life of his spirit he had with increasing vividness again seen mrs moore and round her faintly clinging forms of trouble he was a brahman she christian but it made no difference it made no difference whether she was a trick of his memory or a telepathic appeal it was his duty as it was his desire to place himself in the position of the god and to love her and to place himself in her position and to say to the god come 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 this was all he could do how inadequate but each according to his own capacities and he knew what this own were small one old english woman and one little little wasp he thought as he stepped out of the temple into the gray of a pouring wet wet morning it does not seem much still it is more than i am myself